Welcome to another episode of DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano, sitting up here at the bar set at the DNVR bar, and it's an amazing day here. Uh, we're just about to open up downstairs. Got some music going, got some people working down there, and I'm on our brand new board up here using our brand new mics, uh, which I, I usually use my own mic in my office, but I had Lindsay Sauer on today, our sales director, and my fiance, and I figured we should do it uh, in our nice new studio over here so it sounds awesome, and so we did, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy the audio quality on this one as well, so not on a Zoom call like they usually are which ups the ante a little bit there. And yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about this one. You know, I said it yesterday, but man, Lindsay's the most dynamic salesperson I've, I've ever met. I was in a sales meeting with her the other day. And after it, I just said, why was I even there? I literally just cracked like three jokes during this thing. And she sold the, did the whole thing. And you know, she's really unbelievable. She's kind of taken the company, put it on her back and, and um, carried it around all over the market and built a ton of relationships. And uh, it, it's it's been really amazing to watch her transform into, you know, what is now I've said and I, I say openly the best media salesperson I've ever met. Uh, she's she's really incredible. So uh, I think that you're going to really enjoy this if there's anybody that's listening that's in sales. You know, there's uh, some pointed stuff in here. There's some philosophy and stuff in here. And uh, there's kind of a difference in the way that we do business. And I think all put together, it's it's really a great episode. Okay, let's jump to books. I'm still on Charlie Munger, The Complete Investor. Today's quote is one that I really love. I constantly see people rise in life who are not the smartest and many times not even the most diligent, but they are learning machines. They go to bed every night a little wiser than when they got up. And boy, uh, that one really resonates. I feel like that's my entire thesis on life. I, I feel like uh, I'm a guy that's not as smart as everybody else and uh, didn't have the opportunities as everybody else. But as long as I just continue to learn and I continue to just consume and I continue to just grow every single day, I know that other people aren't and then I can win. And that's what I do. And I try to be before everyone and I try to be faster than everyone, try to work longer than everyone, try to consume more information than everyone. And, and that's what I have to do personally. Not everyone has to do that. I don't recommend everyone doing that. Uh, but per personally for me, that's what fits for me. That's what works for me. I have to do that. Uh, that quote really resonated with me. Bitcoin, 96.2830 right now, about where it's been. It's up about a half percent. It's climbing. And then let's go to the stock market, uh, Penn National Gaming, this one being made famous by Dave Portnoy, him and Erica Nardini, who is uh, just my favorite CEO right now. Uh, you know, she's just doing an incredible job. She's done an incredible job with that company from the business side of it, getting them uh, just, you know, getting them lined up, getting them prepared to do big business as a as a as a medium sized company, lining up the pen deal, um, you know, dialing in that acquisition. And then, you know, now she's the uh, on the board at uh, Barstool. She's on the board at Penn. She's just the leader there on the business side. And, and, you know, she makes it all happen. And what's happened is is Dave has been able to just be Dave, which is just an insane media content creator. And he just creates and, and acquires an audience at a pace that 
I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody do at that level for anything that he wants, whether it's testing pizzas or now day trading. Um, he can just make anything pop, and, and it's, it's really been incredible to watch. Penn National Gaming up 17% after him and Erica go on CNBC last night. And that's how strong it is. That's how strong the community is. That's how strong their brand is. That's how strong they are. What are you going to say? A lot of people are going to say negative stuff. A lot of people don't like Dave. A lot of people don't like Barstool, whatever. Like, none of that is relevant, right? I mean, in the context of what we're talking about, like, there's no way to not admit what I just said. Like, like if you're talking about it in this context, there's no way to say that any of that stuff that I just said was not true. Absolutely incredible performance on CNBC. One of the strongest I've ever seen from a CEO uh, or a founder. And here they are dramatically raising the stock of their company. And I'll say this, DraftKings is down about a half percent. DraftKings 38.15, Penn 36.75. It would seem to me that there's money that's leaving. DraftKings is going to Penn. Uh, pure guesswork. I have no idea. Uh, but they're really close right now. And they were about 10 bucks apart, you know, five days ago, three days ago. And 10 bucks apart when your stock is a $40 stock is big, right? That's a 25% swing. So they're, 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 they're really meeting up right there. And I'm obviously a big DraftKings guy. We've talked about this. This is a DraftKings partnered company. So anyway, enough of that. Let's go to the interview. Lindsay Sauer, uh, one of my favorite people, my favorite person, my favorite person in the world. Lindsay Sauer, here it is. I'm trying to show you all this gold. Lens, thanks for making the time for me today. Brandon, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> let's let's jump right into this. Uh, let's jump right into this. I came very prepared because I know you're 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 one of the prepared people. That's right. right. So you're a big sports fan uh, in many aspects, even a bigger sports fan than me. What's the story behind that? Well, I was an athlete growing up gymnast, basketball player, track, softball. I loved all sports and I also wanted to, you know, play football and wrestle with my brothers and, you know, my mother uh, denied me that access as well as the rest of the world, you know, in the football space. But I grew up with four older brothers and they all played sports and my dad coached a couple of their teams and so I, I had a fondness for sports, um, you know, from the age of three when I started gymnastics. So let's let's jump right into sports media here. So you end up with a sports media guy in a sports media company. Is this? I don't know if it's weird if I ask if this was like your dream. I, I, this isn't anybody's specific <laughs> dream, but is is this like a, a solid turnout uh, in life for like ridiculously crazy sports nut like you? Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. You know, when we first met, the biggest appeal to me was that you uh, were a sports talk radio host. I uh, I think your <laughs> I think Weird. your profile picture. Wait, on that Facebook. was your biggest appeal. That was my biggest appeal. <laughs> oh my god, I thought it was the looks. <laughs> that was a close second, close second. But uh, yeah, I think your profile picture on Facebook at the time was uh, with you and Rocky, so uh, the Nuggets mascot. <laughs> and I was like, how is this guy uh, having a photo shoot with Rocky? This has got to be somebody I got. I have to know. Okay, so let's talk about this. The early days of uh, BSN Denver, 
before the DNVR uh, name, of course, we created, you came in within the first year and we hadn't had success with salespeople. I already knew you were really, you had killed it at sales everywhere you were at. And I, I knew that you would do the same. You came in and we created a sales process. I, I, was it like, how many steps? Was it six or eight? I don't remember. Or was it 10? Remember, I, remember the process? I believe there was 10, okay. but um, let's back up because there wasn't <laughs> anybody at the time that was reliable to you at BSN in the sense that they could, you were, you were going through salespeople yeah. left and right. Yeah. Not I was hiring traditional media people thinking they could sell digital. Right. And, and they were just like, so what accounts am I managing? And I'm like, dude, you're making cold calls. <laughs> right. You're not managing any accounts right now. We don't have any money. Exactly. So I actually had to pitch you on the idea of hiring me. You were very <laughs> hesitant and rightfully so. Uh, once we got rolling, I understood soon and quickly that, uh, you know, living with somebody and dating somebody and then working for that same person was the biggest and hardest task ever in my life at that point. And so I had to really pitch you on why I was going to be the change for BSN and be the salesperson that you needed and that I would do anything to make it work because I believed in what you were doing. But that took you a while. And so then once I had convinced you, and I remember we were sitting in the parking lot of... Um, Buffalo Wild Wings, and then the, the conversation started then, and it and didn't uh, you didn't confirm or hire me until the following week, and so <laughs> <laughs> then then it became the process. Okay, what are we going to do? And it was it was a ten step process. I'm not really sure on all the ten steps, but we sat down and we created that process together. And then it was just attack mode after that. It was, it was cold calling. It was learning. For me, I had to learn media from, you know, the very, the very beginning, the very bottom, and, and tried to live in a world that I had never lived in before. So how has the process changed from selling campaigns that were as small as 500 per month at the beginning to now doing six-figure deals for major brands? Yeah, so the smaller deals sometimes we're just as daunting as the large deals, right? Because for me, I was in a world that I had never been in before. And even though I loved sales and I loved building relationships and I loved getting to know our partners products and being able to say, yeah, you know, we as a team, can sell that product. We can help push whatever message you're trying to get out there. It was still very new. It was still very new to me. And so those small sales were really hard in the beginning. But then as time went on, they were structured, you know, in the sense of like, we're going to give you this and this is what you're going to get out of it. And it was kind of like an X equals Y type of scenario. Whereas now with the large deals, the communication of 
what we have built here at DNVR and the community that we have built and the following that each individual host and journalist has is so powerful and it's, and it's so electric and it's so that is where the campaign goes. Yes, this is what we're giving you. And this is kind of the exposure that we can give you. And this is the reach that we can give you. But the most important aspect is the community that we can give you. And really, in those meetings now, that's where the conversation stays. It stays in this very organic conversation, this very, you know, who who these guys are and what they represent, what DNVR represents, and how they can influence a community um, about the product. And it it opens up the partner to them really diving in on, oh yeah, so this is what we can do for DNV. They'll get excited about this and they'll get excited about that because they understand the community aspect more than ever. It, it becomes so less salesy than the yeah, small campaign. And it obviously helps that, you know, I mean, er, in the early days, there was essentially nobody that you talked to that had heard of what you were selling and now that's different. A lot of people, you either have contacted, they're in your pipeline from over the years, or were, you get a warm introduction to somebody, or they've you know consumed the content, they're already a member, or they're reaching out to us. We have a lot of, you know, a, a lot of in our sales funnel that come this way. Absolutely. 100%. I was selling a product that they had never heard of in the beginning. <laughs> so not only was I cold calling day in and day out, just nonstop, but and, and just thrilled when I would land a meeting. <laughs> um, but it was then I, I landed the meeting. I'm like, okay, and uh, now I got to sell a product that these guys have never heard of. So here we go. And even though we had, you know, credentialed journalists following the team and reporting on the team, they still had never heard of us. And so, yeah, so now it's completely different. I sit down and a lot of these guys, and rightfully so, you know, look to the Drew Creasemans of the world and the Harrison Wins of the world. And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw them at Pepsi or I saw them at Coors. And it feels like a celebrity sighting to them, you know, so right. that's so that's definitely different. Why do you think it is so hard to find media salespeople? Because we've had, even even since, you know, you've came on and been essentially running, not essentially, but flat out running every aspect of sales for us, we've brought on people since then, and we've brought on all kinds of different, you know, things and interviewed different people. And I remember once we brought on like the best appointment setter ever and he just knocked out so many appointments and then he couldn't close anything. And, and even we said, well, this shouldn't be a problem because he sets the appointments and then you can go in there and close it. But it still couldn't it, him being in the equation equaled no sale for some reason. So from my experience, all I've ever seen, and I'm sure there's average media salespeople out there, but all I've ever seen is people that either cannot sell media or people just sell it like gangbusters. Why do you think that is? And, and why do you think it's so hard to find media salespeople? Yeah, that's a great question. For one, I think that it's not a business transaction. This isn't where 
you, you know, get behind a register and ring somebody up and you send them away with great product. That might be great product. It might be Nike. It might be whatever you love. You know, it might be a, a you know, have a lot of value to it, but that's not the transactions that you're dealing with in media. It truly is based around the relationships that you build and if you can sustain that relationship. And I also think that it's hard to find that person because just like me, I didn't really know anything about media sales. And so even if you're going to college and that's what, you know, your focus is, I think that until you hit the pavement and start grinding, you will never truly understand what that process is. And so then once you understand the process, Trust me, there are many times for many different reasons that I wanted to give up and not go on and not uh, forge through. But I think that, you know, I had skin in the game, uh, you know, with BSN and DNVR, which is what you, you know, have provided a lot of the the team members with. And in the form of equity, right? In the form of equity, correct. And so I had skin in the game. It was my own. You know, when I was working retail, I remember my boss saying several times, you know, my DMs and my regionals would come in and they're like, you know, it doesn't say Lindsay over the door. And I'm like, man, I wish it did though, you know? And so, you know, being a part of that and, and having skin in the game, I think really made a difference, but it, you truly just don't know how the game works until you get into it. And then it becomes, okay, now I understand it and I know how to sell it, but can I, you know, forge through the roller coaster, basically. You keep talking about relationships. How important are relationships in ad sales? I mean, can you, do you think that you can do any kind of ad sales or any kind of B2B at all without building relationships? No, they're the number one. It's number one. And there's really nothing else to say about it. If you can't, if you aren't likable, if you can't be, a, if you're not a likable human being, if you don't enjoy what you're doing and what you're selling, then you probably shouldn't be in sales. You know, that's the other th- point to your last question. You know, a lot of people tell salespeople, sales is sales is sales. If you can sell something, you can sell everything. And I understand where that statement comes from, but at the same time, you won't have long lasting relationships in sales if you're not honest. Right, or if you're just transactional. If you're just transactional, that's that's right. So you really have to be honest, you have to be truthful. If somebody asks you a question in a meeting, you know, answer them directly, you know, don't beat around the bush and make it sound like something that you think they may want to hear. You know, you don't know that person. So a lot of times when you're beating around the bush, then they get disinterested, right? So you need to just be honest and truthful. And most importantly, you need to believe in what you're selling. You need to be a part of that no matter what it is. How do you compete with old media using the old media tricks of tickets and cruises and, you know, so leveraging the names of the, the pro sports teams that they have affiliations with and, and, you're sell, and they're selling this to, um, you know, older 
business owners and agencies uh, that have been buying this for years. And, you know, a lot of times you'll come in with twice, three times the audience and there's there you're you're competing with the radio guy that's charging three times as much and and you know the owners uh, get uh, cruises and the uh, all of the marketing people get tickets to the games and get their name on the jumbotron or whatever so how are you competing with that yeah that's another great question i i still compete with that right <laughs> and you know when i first started it felt so daunting now because i'm so used to it I compete with the product, the product that we have, right? I'm never going to be able, not never, we will eventually be able to give all the fun flair perks to partnering with DNVR. <laughs> but we will also still have the value there, right? Right, right, right. So it actually um, works here when you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. we actually give you customers. I mean, it's just shocking, I know. I, I know. know, what a concept, huh? But yeah, so the greatest thing about my job is to be being able to sell the value that we provide at DNVR. And the value comes from our team. And I love our team. I'm obviously very biased to our team, but you know, they don't write clickbait articles. They have well thought out as Ali says it, you just want to run through the wall after you you read an AJ article or you read a Drew article. Or listen to a podcast. Or listen to a podcast. You are a part of their everyday lives. You feel like you can sit down on the couch with Ryan and Zach and you feel like you've known them for years because you've listened to their podcasts Monday through Friday, you know, every day for the last year, two years, whatever, however long you've been listening. And so the value of what those guys provide, their opinions and the analysis and the, the journalistic quality that they provide is so pure and so true and so incredible that that has created the community that we have built. So when I sit down and I don't have you know, Rockies tickets, you know, for your entire staff, or I can't send you to Mexico, which believe it or not happens all the time. You know, I sit down partners that we have today still are partnered with other media that their entire family is sent to Mexico once a year and whatnot. And we can't do that here. But what I can do is push people through your door. What I can do is have clients call your phone and, and ask for your services and say, that they heard you from DNVR. That's what I can do. And time and time again, I have presented that. And then once I get them, then it's just proof is in the pudding, right? right and right, they right. see that come through full throttle. Let's take a step back here and let's talk about, well, you know what, actually, let's, let's, this is a great segue here. How important has data been for you personally? I know you just talked about a lot of uh, philosophy just now, the philosophy of, of DNVR compared to old media when you're selling versus old media. But uh, one thing you didn't mention is data. And I know that that's something you use all the time. So how important has data been for you personally when selling against traditional media that doesn't necessarily actually provide much data for their clients? 
That's been everything. The fact that I can provide exact downloads on a podcast, does that equal exact listeners? Uh, No. Can we dive into the other analytics of exact viewers that we have during a live stream? Can we dive into the engagement level that we get through social, whether it's retweets or comments or tagging our partners? Yes. And can I take, you know, screenshots of all of these things and put it right in front of another potential partner? Absolutely. Then can I have, you know, partners that have been around for a long time speak to 200% ROI, 300% ROI month to month because they... People that shut down our deals because you said, let's put this code on your app and then it blows up and then you guys don't want to do that many coupons anymore exactly (laughs) like send me an email because oh my gosh this is working too well you know taking screenshots of that and then showing it that's that's everything in this game and that's always been everything in this game to me so is actually providing transparency and once we you know really we're rolling with all of those variables that we're hitting and to be able to present that into a campaign is everything. Yeah. It makes me think of the top, uh, the WGT deal where essentially we're, we're bringing this to our community and we have this great partnership with top golf and, you know, we're going to bring them on the WGT game and, you know, uh, uh, essentially the code they have doesn't house enough people in the country club that we created on their game to house DNVR members in order for them to be able to carry the partnership in the capacity we were continuing they would have to change their game and make allow more people so we actually had to create a second clubhouse and now we're out you know we're, we're approaching 500 conversions onto their their game which is kind of a free to start it's a freemium so you know that the vast majority of those people are spending money on the game and it's just story after story like that right whether it's um, breck obviously everyone knows what we've done for breck but i talked about this with yu chang essentially just incorporating these brands into our brands and you know this is a true partnership and why don't you talk about that a little bit the difference between an ad client which is kind of what everybody else seems to have and what we have which is actually a brand partnership Yeah, so I think that the way that we speak is so important. And we decided a long time ago that these aren't clients of ours. They are a partner of DNVR. And the reason being is because we know that in true partnerships, there's always value for each, Mm, right? That's right. Everybody gets to win. Everybody gets to win. Man, that's good. Yep. So... That is is the definition of a partnership, and, and that's what this is. Of course, they are giving us money, which helps provide, you know, get, takes care of our bills yeah. and our costs. Yeah, I love it. I, I want to jump in because this reminded me of a conversation we had just two weeks ago where you said, hey, the traffic log is essentially sold out. We either add spots or these people that are coming in that want to spend a lot of money, we have to kick old clients off you actually didn't say the second part i said well you know what they do in tv is we would just once the once that site is uh, once that show is sold out on the rate card it kicks up to the next tier of pricing and 
we either everybody either comes in and pays that or the bigger client comes in and owns that and then we just do makeup spots and other shows for those people and hopefully salvage those relationships and you weren't down with that i <laughs> was very aggressively not down with that <laughs> building relationships is really hard and again it goes back to that trust that you build right and so if if it comes to a point where yes we're getting bigger and bigger and the spots are running out because the partners that we even currently have want more exposure because we are providing such great return for them and and so we need to create more products or we need to do this and that to have more space you know if i go back on well, now it's like more of a transaction. We've got to get you, uh, you know, this next mm, tier is mm, what yeah. we need you at. And this is the dollar amount that you're going to have to pay now, even though you've been around for three years supporting us. And then it, then the trust is gone. The relationship is starting to just wither away. Right. So I, I was against that. And I know that we can create a lot of new products and just value and do different things to bring not only new people in, but to then also continue building on campaigns that other partners have and, and, and that want more exposure. So there's yeah, right. always an, uh, an avenue that we can go down without becoming this transactional yeah and i i mean there's been times where you literally came in the office and said i need new products i need something else to sell and you know just like that except maybe even more ferocious than that and you know we've we you know we created them and we did for you you right. know um whether that was uh you know uh geo-targeted video social uh, right. live we got into live DNVR stream bets, dnvr bets no. whatever yeah yeah so let's yeah. talk about dnvr bets so this is an interesting one we kind of take people behind the scenes so here we are in colorado and we are in many metrics the largest sports network here and you know we obviously hit one particular demo you know 25 to 34 year olds and and up to 44 but 25 to 34 is really the bread and butter and we own that in, in this region and so when sports betting became legal we were kind of the hot ticket right uh, all of a sudden we were the we were the you know everyone wanted to take us to prom it was a little different situation that we've than we've been in before um, it was completely different than any other situation <laughs> we've ever been in before yeah 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 so so what was that like to have all these suitors lined up and people calling and you know big companies and little companies and doing meetings and then having to pick your date it was incredible. There's a lot of times actually <laughs> during this entire process, which I think is important as salespeople to live in the moment. And I really, I truly do. I, I live in the moment on my downs uh, and outs, uh, maybe too much. And I live in the moment on my highs. And there's been multiple times where I think you and I have both said to each other, like, we've made it, you know, and and we're here, we're at the peak and, it, you know, or, or we're halfway up the mountain. It just only goes up from here, you know, or something to that effect. But when you're being courted by multiple suitors, that's probably the most incredible high. And I think that that's something that sales, uh, you know, people live for. We just so, live for so let's 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 take this one extra dimension 
So there was a big there. There was another company that was more of the offshore variety uh, that has the weird, you know, URL and, you know, is essentially just flush with cash and going to try to spend as much as they can uh, to acquire users. And they were going to pay a, a lot to get on our platform on an exclusive deal. And essentially, we turned down that deal to go with DraftKings, which was a smaller deal because of the brand fit. So walk us through how you felt about that and what your thought was on that and and what that, that whole thing seemed like to you. Yeah, I think this goes back to what we were previously talking about as well. You know, we do truly vet our partners. In the beginning, of course, we're just trying to seek anybody and everybody. Right. Well, at the beginning. Yeah, in the yeah. very beginning, you're, you're trying to seek anybody and everybody that you can get as a sponsor. And as time went on and we knew what we were building and we saw the response from the members, we knew who we were. We, you, you start to realize who you are more and more and more every step of the way. And... That also for me on my side of things, I say, okay, I know who we are. And and so then I, therefore I know what kind of partners to go after, right? I know what my audience is going to respond well to. And when we had all of the betting companies come to me, it was like, okay, this may be, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, more than we'd ever seen prior to this. (laughs) And it's so hard sometimes to just say no to that. But it's like, is that who we are? Right. You know, are are, we like sportsbet.eu or or whatever? Are we sending them, you know, outside? I hope that's not a real site that I trashed. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think it is. But... You know, are we sending them overseas to do the, you know. Right, it, right, right. Some and offshore transactions. Yeah, yeah. so. Get and that wasn't. Account shut down. That wasn't who we were. Right, right. Right. And so when we met with DraftKings and started talking to them, what was really awesome is that they had already listened to our podcast. They knew who we were. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And they loved what we had and they believed in our product. So again, it goes back to that partnership value, right? We know what you have. They knew what they had. And we've got the audience that's definitely going to be a win-win situation for both. How do you respond when radio or TV stations try to hire you away or you, you get the little the little flirty uh, <laughs> LinkedIn DM saying like, hey, we've got some spots over and over here on uh, KUSA. Would you like to uh, come over and have a lunch and talk about what we can do for you possibly? Oh, I'm always very respectful, right? I And, and uh, I'm... Uh, very flattered by it. So I'm respectful in response. I'm very happy with where I am in my career and, and where I want to be. Thanks for reaching out, you know, and, and it's flattering. Yeah. I, you know, for the record, I think it, base, and this is relationship side here, we put business to the side. Like if you were to take some massive deal to go be someone's sales director at some station or something like because, you know, what's crazy is like TV and radio see us as competitors. We never see them as competitors. Right. We're just focused on building our community and doing cool shit like opening bars and things. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't think that I would like that wouldn't, 
you know, I, 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 other than losing like the most amazing salesperson, <laughs> uh, like uh, from a pride standpoint, a relationship standpoint, like I think I would, I would like totally back that up. And I think you probably know that. Like I would support that. I think that, yeah, you would support 99% of my decisions <laughs> wholeheartedly. So that's why we work well together. But yeah, that's, that comes down to the, if I, if I was trying to get in a relationship with somebody that needed my approval or needed me to lead them. It would not be you. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that, not. I don't think that'd work. It's <laughs> not who I am. No. Um, but, but yeah, but back to the point of like why I'm here and why I've gone through all of the ups and downs with this company with you right. and raising children with you Fair. on top of it yep. is because of that. I believe in it and I believe in what we're doing and I believe that it is the greatest and it is the best product on the market. Yep. You know, so yeah. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. I don't care what amount of money you would give me because that's not fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. That's you can love that you can work for a, a million dollars, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if that doesn't make you happy, and I got to tell you, you know, to anybody that's listening to the that want, that's even interested in what I have to say about sales, that if you are not being fulfilled every day at your job, then you probably should look for something else, no matter what what that is for you. The, the greatest thing about my job, the absolute greatest thing about my job is getting emails telling me how great our team is. Mm. Emails telling me the quality of our shirts are incredible. The mm. design is impeccable. The hosts, all, every single one of them, I've gotten them about every single person that works for DNVR and what they have done for that person's life or it doesn't matter what kind of situation we are in particularly you know in the climate that we're in right now they you know this is a uh, the listening to the Broncos pod or the Rockies pod or the Nuggets pod that's a something that can get their mind off of what's going on it it's it's saving them it is it gets them through really hard deep dark times in their lives i mean there is nothing better to to get high on than people giving you just accolade after accolade of the team that you work with and for and what you are building and what you are part of there's nothing better we hear uh, a lot from women on the front end of media uh, working in a male-dominated space but what is that like from the sales side yeah so i'm probably not going to give an answer that most women like to hear but I absolutely love it. I don't think that I've ever in my life felt lesser uh, than a man. Uh, I've never, I, I, again, I grew up with four older brothers, really strong role models, um, and a father that was a really strong role model, and a mother that told me that I don't ever need a man and I don't <laughs> ever need kids to define who I am. And again, I played sports my whole life. So I have always actually, you know, I was a tomboy. So I've always really felt much more connected to males than I ever did females. And as I grew up, 
I was always friends with lots of different type of people, right? I was the kid that I was in band. I was a jock. So I had my jock friends in the popular crowd. I hung out and talked to all the nerds and the, you know, just anybody, the skaters group, like it didn't matter, right? Like I like people. And that's another reason why I'm in sales because uh, you have to be likable and I like people and they like me, you know? So that's something that I really enjoyed. I liked sitting down with a man. I mean, there's, there's, there's very few women that I've sat down with, whether it's part of the marketing team or a CEO or a founder, very, very, very few women. And I enjoyed talking sports with them. And I enjoyed, um, you know, getting to hear where they came from, what they built, why they're in the industry that they're in. And so for me, it's always been awesome. Uh, so I, let's stay on that tip. What do you think of Barstool CEO Erica Nardini? I love her. She, I started listening to her podcast because of you. So I would have known nothing about her had I not started to do that. And she's incredible. Uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. She has great guests on. She has a great team. So she great brings on uh, her team members. And she also had uh, Barbara Corcoran on um, a few weeks back, who I've, I've loved for a long time and watched her on Shark Tank and then followed her. And, and Barbara said the same thing. You know, she got into real estate and I think Erica asked her that same question, like, you know, how you've felt about, and now don't get me wrong, uh, ladies, there's absolutely, you know, inequality out there when it comes to pay and there's, you know, stigmas and there's things that women have to fight every day for and, you know, just are treated um, disrespectfully, you know, if it's in a locker room, you know, I've heard plenty of stories. So sure, I'm sure. not downplaying sure. the fact that that is real and right. that exists 100%. It's just not something that's in my world. Mm. And Barbara put it in uh, perfect terms and her, same for her. It's not in her world where in real estate, I mean, she was with, you know, just a, again, a ton of uh, white males that had been in the game forever. And she's like, I knew that I could be just like them. She said, I, and I part half the time I knew that I could do it better. And she's like, and I was good at flirting and I like to flirt. And I just think that's a hilarious answer <laughs> and so true. Um, and that's just her honest answer. And so that's, I don't even know if I'm allowed to laugh at that. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, uh, I love Erica Nardini. She's a badass. Uh, how big, let's just say this company, Outside of scale, like I'm not talking about how the, how big can this company be nationwide? We launch other markets, whatever. Denver, uh, how big do you think Denver can be uh, from an ad sales standpoint? So, you know, a year ago, two years ago, I would have probably given you a much different answer. Sitting here today, I truly feel like there is no ceiling for DNVR. And I think that, you know, whether that's, 5 million, 10 million, 15 million. Like I, I think that that is attainable and more than ever, more than I ever have. Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's go to our speed round here. I have three questions for you. Question number one, what is the most important book to you? My most important book, and I'm not much of a reader. I, 
you turned me on to Audible, which has been much better for me. But and I want to read more. Wait, wait, wait. What? You crushed books every night for years, right? By your bedstand, dude. They used to stack up on your bedstand. Yeah. You're not much of a reader compared to who? All, all, you know, fantasy or romantic, you know, comedies Fiction. or fictional, you know. Yeah, yeah, all but fictional. they're still reading. Yeah, but, you know, in, in, fictionals are not important okay. books. Oh. They well, they could be. There's some incredible fiction books. There are, but they don't leave anything on your heart. They don't really change. Oh. Man, I gotta, I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta disagree. But go okay. ahead, go ahead. Um, the Alchemist is is a fictional book. Uh, the Warrior of yeah, Light is I, a fictional book. You tried to make me read that. It was, it's. Look, the I, you know, no offense to whoever reads that book, but I can't handle the guy's tone of voice. So maybe if I read it, you know, in a hardback, which I do all the time, so maybe I'll do that and and feel much differently about that book. Okay. The most important was Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. And for me, it was really life-changing because the, he constantly says in that book, what fires wires. And I don't think that we understand mm. that as a society, you know, as much as we should. And I highly encourage everyone to read it because... It's really easy to live in a world of negativity, especially for women. But we are, we are always our, our hardest critic. And the fact that we even have thoughts that are negative, we have thoughts of being defeated, we have thoughts of not being successful, we have thoughts of not being fit, we have thoughts of not being able to eat right, we, we have all of, there's so many negative thoughts that naturally go into our head every day and with social media, it's like times a thousand, right? When we're scrolling through and we read what we read. So it's so important to replace those thoughts with positivity and because they, they'll, they'll always come in. But it's the fact that if you start replacing them with positivity, that they will slowly but surely start to diminish, and they'll be they'll become less and less and less. Well, I, I think the whole the whole point of reference uh, in that book is that uh, the thoughts are what actually metabolize into this reality right. and become you and become what you are, and so that's right. the whole thing is the translation from thoughts to physical, from mental to physical. Uh, affecting your body, affecting the way that you respond to things, affecting your entire life based on the thoughts. And that's why it's important. Right. So then if you don't allow those to fire, then, and you only allow the positivity to, or replacing then that's it, what wires. then that's what wires and that's how you live your life. So let's talk about uh, the, ne oh, let's go to the next question. I'm in my, in my interview stance here. Let's go to the next question. So most underrated athlete of all time. Okay. This is twofold. Because obviously every woman athlete is underrated, right? And <laughs> there's so many reasons why. You know, uh, even me as a kid, I'm 34 years old. Like I told you, I wanted to play football. You're the, are you the most underrated athlete? <laughs> no. Okay. But I... I was a great athlete. I was a good athlete, but I, but I certainly was nothing like these professional women athletes. And so we just didn't have the opportunity, right? You know, like I said, I wanted to play football. I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to do everything that the guys were doing. And that was just unacceptable. That wasn't, you weren't allowed to. So 
there's that's part of the reason. The other part is that there's nobody, no billionaires out there that are looking to to buy women hockey leagues, except Erica is trying to. So that's that'll be awesome. And really putting out the money to advertise to to build. So are those you ever going to tell us who your most underrated athlete is? Yes. Or are you just going to keep talking? But that's no. That's the reason that women athletes are underrated. Okay. So, this this was your opportunity to give women athletes yeah. a sh- the and shine. And Carrie Strug was like my most the woman that was most underrated. Okay. Okay. Won the '96 gymnastics Olympics. Later came out that they might not have needed her second vault, but she like broke her ankle while doing it, <laughs> was carried off, you know. So, it oh, was, I remember that she landed that thing, didn't she? She landed it, she landed it, she <laughs> landed it, and, ankle. yep, and pulled her ankle up. And they they carried her off, they oh, carried her up to the podium, that's, even that's to, to get the gold. Yeah, so, cool. that was the yeah. magnificent seven. But on uh, uh, regular everyday athletes, was uh, in my mind, um. Pippen and Rodman, right? Because watching the last dance, you are so... Oh, Pippen's a great pick. I mean, Pippen was like one of the greatest players. I mean, some people like were like, he was the second best player in the world, but he just played with the best player in the world. I don't know about that, but you know, like... Uh, he could have been. Yeah, he, I mean, easily, he was, I mean, really he was underrated. Yeah, he was super highly, underrated. So, right, great pick. Yeah, thank you. So was Rodman, man. They let him do whatever he wanted. Okay, let's go to the third question. What business or space... Are you most excited about in the future? I'm most excited for my children's future and the jobs that lay ahead for them. So I know that's a bit like a broad answer, but it mainly ties in with tech and not having like large corporations rule the world Mm, right yeah right right. i'm most excited to watch you know over these next 10 years all of these different ideas and innovation around tech and all of these different job opportunities that will come from our children not being stuck in this tunnel of, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor, a lawyer, a police officer, like a fireman. A, you know, that was what we had to answer with as kids, right? Right, right, right. Um, and so I'm most excited for just the tech world and the TikTok world and the YouTube world and how these children uh, that are growing up are going to change the world and, and what, you know, innovations are going to come from that. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was it's, great. It was it's fun. awesome. You're the best. You are too. <laughs> <laughs>